So Money Episode 260, Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. Ask Farnoosh time, TGIF. And today we're doing a little special show. We're dedicating the whole 30 minutes to credit and credit health. I've gotten a lot of questions over the last nine months when I've been asking all of you to write in to Ask Farnoosh and submit your questions, many questions around credit. And uh, this year I've actually partnered with Chase Slate as a financial education partner. And through that work, I have connected with FICO, which, as a lot of you know, is the company that develops the FICO credit scores used in over 90% of lending decisions. And with FICO, we have partnered up on some content. And uh, Chase Slate actually has unveiled the Chase Slate credit dashboard this year, which uh, shows card members their monthly FICO score. It's free. It comes with a graphical analysis of a 12-month trend of their FICO score that builds over time and also gives you all the top positive and negative factors impacting your score. So it's been exciting to introduce that to customers and FICO has been a great partner. So today to reply to all of you, to give you the exact answers to all of your questions, I have a scientist with me on the line. He is Ethan Dornhelm. He is Senior Principal Scientist at FICO. If there is a go-to person to answer your credit questions, I think I have him. So Ethan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Farnoosh. Thanks for having me. Principal scientist at FICO. Tell us a little bit about your job. It sounds highly forensic. <laughs> yes, it's a it's a catchy title for sure. Um, um, and I've been with FICO for about 15 years now. And when I started, I was doing more of the day-to-day number crunching. I would say these days I'm more managing the teams that are doing the analysis. But certainly there's a good deal of... Um, of, of, of staring at numbers and, and making sure we understand what the latest, greatest trends are in, in predicting credit risk and developing FICO scores. Yeah, I mean, credit scores have really evolved over the last uh, decade. And I think it really uh, speaks to how the landscape has changed, how the economy has changed, how people are, are uh, just using credit for different purposes. Um, what would you say is kind of what's new with FICO and FICO scores these days? I know that we have a new FICO score nine out. Um, that's well, it's not maybe completely out, but it's it's we're transitioning, right? Tell us a little bit about the new FICO score. Sure. Um, so FICO score nine is our latest and greatest version of the FICO score. It's our most predictive score to date. That means it does the best job of identifying who's likely to pay or not pay their bills as agreed in the future. We've got a number of enhancements with FICO score nine, but I guess I would note most of all that it's just built on the latest and greatest credit bureau data that we have available. As you mentioned, Farnoosh, trends change over time. Um, The number of credit cards on average consumers have today is considerably higher than that 25 years ago when we were first building FICO scores. So we make sure we're constantly tuning the models to represent uh, the trends we're seeing in the market. Um, So the latest FICO score nine includes improved treatment of collections information. We're now differentiating consumers who have medical collections from non-medical collections. We're now factoring rental 
trade lines into the calculation of the score when that information is available on the credit report and a number of other enhancements along those lines that again makes this our best FICO score yet. Really speaking to the times, because I, I i mean, I read so many articles about, especially millennials, they're not buying homes as quickly as maybe the, the past generation. More people are renting in that demographic. So it's good to know that you, you can still develop a credit history in these different ways. You helped me with an article that I wrote for Chase Slate about the myths, the top myths that you see and I see across the board when it comes to people's understanding of credit. One of the myths was, for example, the higher your income, the better your score, which is false. Seems intuitive because, of course, if you make more money, maybe you're also in a better credit situation. Not true. Someone else thought carrying a balance will improve my score. Let's talk about that because I actually got a question from Mike, a listener, saying that he pays at least the minimum requirement on his credit cards every month. Is this enough or should he be aiming to pay off the full amount to keep a high credit score? I think that there is some confusion about should I carry a balance? Somehow there was a message out there that got distorted. <laughs> I think about what actually, what kind of a balance you need to help your score. I've actually gotten this advice starting out and I, and I fortunately didn't follow it, but I think this is something that is, is prevalent. Absolutely. And this is one of my, I would say, biggest pet peeves as far as myths out there. This to me is one of the most dangerous ones. Um, this idea that you need to carry a balance, pay less than the full amount you owe uh, in order to help your FICO score. That's absolutely false. Um, generally speaking, what the FICO score is going to be determined off of is the balance that's reported by the issuer to the credit reports and to, uh, to the credit reporting agencies, excuse me. And typically what that is, is your statement balance. So regardless of whether you're paying the minimum amount or whether you're paying it off in full every month, the amount that's going to be reported and factored into the FICO score is how much you owe at the end of your billing cycle. And so absolutely, if you can pay off that bill in full, um, if you have the financial resources to do so, you should do so and not incur interest payments and the like at the um, in the belief, misguided belief that it's going to help your FICO score. Another big variable in your FICO score calculation is your debt to credit utilization ratio. And that's like the second biggest variable after your bill payment history. Is there any benefit to maybe paying your bill throughout the month? If you're going to go, if you're going to go buy tons of furniture and put it on your card, waiting till the end of the month when your utilization might be like over 50% at that point, um, is that is that going to work against you, perhaps? Or uh, can you talk a little bit about that? That's a very, very detailed question, very specific question. But I do, because it depends on when credit bureaus are checking your score, depending on what time of month, time of the month, it could be better to just pay off in increments throughout the month as opposed to wait, waiting until the deadline. Yeah, you know, I would say we generally would focus on just the the point that what you need to ensure is that you're keeping your debt at a manageable level and you're keeping your balances as low relative to your credit limits as you possibly can. So while we wouldn't advocate a particular strategy of payment versus another, we would just generally say your usage of debt, you know, use it responsibly, make sure you're paying it off on time. Good advice. We have a question here from Patricia. She says, I used to be bad at paying off my debt, but I was able to finally improve my credit score. How long will my past haunt me if I continue to keep up with the low debt and an improved credit score? Will this be on my credit history for good? That's a good question. You know, uh, 
time heals, right? Yeah, it absolutely does. So while while the technical answer is that the negative information around missed payments will stay on the credit file for seven years, and in the case of some bankruptcies, up to ten years, um, as you mentioned, Farnoosh, you know, a key dimension that the FICO score considers when it's evaluating a consumer's payment history is not just that they've had missed payments in the past, but how recently those occurred. Um, and so if, as Patricia's done here, you can get your financial house in order and get caught back up on all of your payments, then as the time since that most recent missed payment ages, you know, time heals, as you say, the FICO score will steadily increase. Uh, and in fact, we did some research a few years back um, that demonstrated this point. We found that, for example, a consumer who scored a 720 uh, and who then went 90 days past due on their mortgage, uh, that would cause their score to drop about 100 points to a 620. But if they got back up off the canvas, so to speak, and consistently made on-time payments over the subsequent months, we actually found their score would be able to fully recover back to that 720 within about three years. Yeah, I get this question a lot, which is how long will it take for my score to recover? Is there any other examples you can give us that there's no absolute answer but I think people would really benefit from hearing other encouraging anecdotes like that one. Absolutely. Well, you know, part of how long it will take for your score to recover is a function of how seriously um, delinquent the account goes. Obviously, if you have just a 30-day missed payment, maybe you forgot about the bill or went on vacation or so forth, your score could recover in as little as one year. Um, but if, on the other hand, you filed for bankruptcy, then um, it probably won't come as much surprise. You're unlikely to get back to a score, let's say, in the mid-700s or above until that bankruptcy fully drops off your file some seven years later. So I would just say you know, the key driver of recovery is how seriously delinquent you got in the first place. And the other point I would make is simply that while recovery may speak to getting back all the way to your original starting score before you went delinquent, and let's say you started an 800, it may be difficult to get back to an 800 anytime soon. However, with responsible credit habits, managing your debt levels, paying all of your bills as agreed, you could easily get back into that mid to high 600, low 700 range where you can start once again qualifying for credit at reasonable terms. And there's more than one credit score, right? We have more than one credit score. Which one matters? And at what point should we be concerned if there's a lot of difference between our scores? Um, we're getting scores now from our banks, from FICO, from other websites. How do you know that, you're, that the score that you're looking at is actually... A good score to be measuring yourself against? Excellent question. So as you say, there are a number of scores in the marketplace. Not all of them are FICO scores. However, only FICO scores are used in more than 90% of the lending decisions in the U.S. Um, so obviously knowing your FICO scores will give you a better understanding of how lenders will evaluate you uh, when you're applying for a loan. So the CFPB actually did a research project uh, back in 2012 where they were seeking to understand how similar or different the different scores that are out in the marketplace are. And they actually concluded that some 25% of the time, there were actually what they called economically meaningful differences between the FICO score and some of these um, other non-FICO scores that are sold to consumers. Um, and by economically meaningful, they just meant that the score was sufficiently different that it might result in a fundamentally different lending decision, whether that was a decline instead of an approval, or whether that was being approved at less favorable or more favorable terms. So we definitely emphasize the importance of making sure that the score you're looking at is a FICO score. And in short, if it doesn't say FICO score, it's not a FICO score. 
And what score will get you the best interest rates these days? I know FICO on, on myfico.com, I am often on there. <laughs> I'm currently in the process of refinancing. So I want to know, and I know with uh, the Fed expect, expected to raise rates this year, it's really important to be aware of what kinds of credit scores can can merit you certain interest rates. What's a good, well, let's say what's a great credit score if you're in the market for a mortgage or a car loan? You know, you're absolutely right. There's data that we present on myfico.com, which shows how different FICO score bands maps to different interest rates. I believe we have tables for different products, products ranging from mortgages to auto loans. In general, a great score is going to be a score, say, in the high 700s and above. That's going to put you in the top 25% of all consumers nationwide. And you're going to be able to qualify for just about any credit you want at the most favorable terms if you're in that score range. Good to know. Yeah, MyFICO is a great resource. Highly recommend it. One of the other myths that we talked about in the article that I wrote for Chase.com, Ethan, was that closing my card account will erase its history. A lot of people get satisfaction from closing their credit cards after they pay off massive debt. Uh, but this has potential to negatively impact your score, but not because it's going to necessarily erase your history. What's going on when you close your credit card account that could potentially impact your score? Yeah, we, we never recommend closing a credit card solely for the purpose of raising your FICO score. And, and as you allude, it's because there are some impacts, some maybe unintended impacts that can occur from closing uh, particularly credit card accounts on your file. And as we previously talked about, one of the key drivers of your FICO score is your credit card balance to limit ratio or debt to limit ratio. Um, and the lower that ratio, the further you are away from being maxed out on your credit cards, the better. And what we see sometimes happens if people close credit accounts that have considerably large credit lines, uh, that they have very low or no credit balances on, by Closing that card out, they're taking away, in effect, that available credit. And when they do that, it could drive your utilization ratio upwards. And that, in turn, could negatively affect your FICO score. I read an interesting stat from FICO that says the, those who have the best FICO scores, they have a utilization ratio of like 6%. That's really low. That's like if you have a $10,000 card limit, you're spending at any given point, maybe 600 bucks. So just to put things in perspective, that's those in the country with the top notch credit scores. That's correct. So I would say, first of all, that is an average. So certainly there's um, plenty of consumers with high FICO scores who have utilization figures above that. Um, and I would also mention that those who tend to score in those highest score ranges tend to have um, a good deal of available credit. So while on one credit they may have $10,000, that 6% figure is summed up across all of their credit cards. And we, it's not uncommon for us to see consumers with available credit in excess of $50,000 when you look at it from the standpoint of all of the credit accounts that they have available to them to use. We've sort of mentioned here and there the important variables that impact your score, but very simply, Ethan, what are the top variables, the top influences on your score, starting from most important to least important? Absolutely. We On my FICO, as we've talked about myfico.com, there's actually a pie chart that I think is a very helpful graphic that illustrates what we consider to be the five key categories 
of your credit report that factor into the FICO score calculation. And so in order of importance, they are about 35% of your FICO score is going to come from your payment history, whether you've paid your bills on time uh, in the past or not. Another 30% is from the amounts owed category. So this is going to look at things like your total credit card balances, your card balances to limits ratio, your installment loan balances, and so forth. Another 15% in the third category is your length of credit history. Um, so there we're looking at how long have you had credit on average? How long have you had all of your credit accounts? Another 10% is the types of credit used. So here we're looking for, have you demonstrated responsible management of a broad variety of different credit products? So both uh, revolving credit, such as credit cards, as well as installment loans, such as car loans or student loans or the like. And lastly, the fifth category we, we focus on in the FICO score is um, new credit, as we call it. Another 10% of the score, roughly, is uh, the new credit dimension, which is looking at how many new account openings or uh, applications for credit are showing on your file. And that's important as we head into the holiday season, I think, because... Well, you know, it's going to be high season for retailers. They're going to be pushing their store credit cards as you go and you spend and get gifts. So just keep in mind that every card application that you fill out, there will be an inquiry attached to that. It's a hard inquiry, right? And that multiple hard inquiries can negatively impact your score. However, you checking your score yourself it's a good thing and encourage and doesn't work against you, although that is a myth, I find. Absolutely. That's a, what we call a soft inquiry. If, if, you're, if you're checking your own credit report, that does not get posted to the credit file in a way that the FICO score would consider it as part of the score. So it absolutely won't impact your score for you to check your own uh, credit report. And, and I want to address a question from Jane. She, along the lines of credit inquiries, hard inquiries specifically, she's asking, you know, if I apply for a credit card in a department store, is it is one okay, or is it you reach a certain number and it starts to work against you? Is two, three inquiries when you're kind of in a, a scary place <laughs> as far as your credit score goes? How does that work exactly? Is there a science behind that? I guess. Well, there's absolutely a science behind it, but the 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 answer, the most accurate answer is that the precise impact of uh, an inquiry hitting the credit file will, will really vary from person to person depending on the makeup of their credit file. So, for example, inquiries, they can have a greater impact to your score if you only have a few credit accounts or if you've got a relatively short credit history. Um, that, that said, we, we've done studies that have found that while while inquiries get a lot of attention, they're often a focus of questions we get from consumers about FICO score impact. They generally do have a pretty small impact on the FICO score calculation. As I said a little earlier, they make up part of that new credit component of the FICO score, which is really only about 10% of the score. And in fact, um, I alluded to a study we did, and it found that for most people, one additional inquiry will take less than five points off of their FICO score. So it really is small potatoes as far as score impact relative to something like missing payments or ramping right. up your debt burden. And it drops off. Did you not did you mention that too that it drops off your credit report sooner than say a foreclosure? <laughs> That's absolutely right. Um, at most I think inquiries stay on your file for two years. Well Ethan, this has been 
I think this is as much credit education that we can uh, digest in, in, <laughs> in 22 <laughs> minutes or so. Um, not to say that I'm not a complete nerd over this topic. Uh, I am, but I think that, um, we have so much information jam packed in these, in these minutes. And of course, for all of you who want to get more information about your credit score, I encourage you to go to myfico.com. If you're a Chase Lake customer, good news. You have access to the free credit dashboard that gives you a free FICO score as well as all the uh, analysis behind your specific score. So check that out if you are a Chase Lake customer. Ethan, thank you so much for joining us and being so really crystal clear about credit scores. And so thank you for making us more aware of why our FICO score matters, how we can improve it. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. That is a wrap. Thanks again to my guest, Ethan Dornhelm, Principal Scientist at FICO. Like I said, if you'd like to learn more about your credit score, I do love myfico.com. I think it's a really great resource. And if you're a Chase Slate customer, chaseslate.com for your free credit dashboard. And while you're at it, check out my interview on Monday with Mike Schreiber. He's the Editor-in-Chief and Chief Content Officer of Credit.com, another great resource for learning about credit. Now to send me a question, just hop over to somoneypodcast.com, click on Ask Farnoosh, and I'll be sure to add it to the list for an upcoming Friday episode. Thanks everyone. Happy weekend and hope your day is so money. Money.